Hello and welcome to That Girl Can Talk podcast. It's just a show where we get together and I share a little bit with you about something happening in our community, maybe happening in the world, maybe happening in the state, uh, just, you know, a topic of interest. Well, as you know, I'm a reporter and so I do continue to maintain a website called coloradonewsyourway.com and I really enjoyed writing news and reporting news for my local community in Southeast Colorado. So I headed out last night, this week, Thursday, to the Grand Theater in Rocky Fort. It's a historic theater where once a month on a Thursday, the Otero County Republican women host a talk. And it can be a talk on something of interest to the area. It can be a talk on something of interest to the group or just something interesting. So this week we talked about 30 by 30. If you haven't heard of 30 by 30, it's an initiative that came out of an executive order that was written by President Joe Biden. So I'm actually going to not tell you a whole lot about this because I think our presenter here did a great job in the conversation that we had with about 80 people that showed up for this. And it's quite a lot actually for a small community to talk about what that means. So her name is Margaret Byfield. She was raised on a large cow calf operation in central Nevada. She's executive director of the American stewards for Liberty. So she goes over what she's been studying about this a little bit about her personal history and why she got involved in this and just a little more. I hope you enjoy it on that girl can talk. Well, thank you. Thank you, Barb um, and Val. I've had a great ride from the airport today, and it's, it's really great to be in your community. Um, as Barb said, I run an organization with my husband called American Stewards of Liberty. We're a property rights organization. And I want to tell you a little bit about how I personally got involved in this issue. Uh, I was raised on a ranch in central Nevada, uh, Pine Creek Ranch. And we, it was a big cow-calf operation, about normal size for Nevada. We ran on 1,100 square miles. Um, only 7,000 of that was private. So Nevada is 87% federally owned. Which means, as you guys understand in Colorado, see most of the time when I talk to Texas, they go, what? But you're in Colorado, you understand that we deal with the federal government ownership of our lands and we have to, have to work with that. On our operation, um, we came under incredible, incredible regulatory harassment. And it's really where I learned a lot about property rights on the job. To give you an idea of some of the things that we faced, in uh, our first grazing season there, we purchased the ranch in 1978. There was a dispute over a spring of ours that the Forest Service had fenced off and piped the water into their ranger stations. So we disagreed with that. And as a result, what we, what we received in return was in the 105-day grazing season, the Forest Service served us with 40 certified letters allegating, with allegations of us violating our grazing permit. And we had 70 visits from the Forest Service. Now let me give you an example of what one of these so-called violations were. They said that we were not maintaining our drift fences on Table Mountain. So Table Mountain elevation is 12,000 feet. It's wilderness. There's only three trails up. It's single file. So Dad sends one of our help, one of our cowboys up with a 
separate horse loaded down with all the fencing equipment because you can't do anything mechanical in your wilderness areas. And it takes a day to ride up, a day to ride the 25 miles across the ranch, across the top of Table Mountain, and a day to come back down. And when he gets back to the ranch, he hands Dad a little blue plastic flag that marked where the problem was. Dad says, so what was the problem? And he said, well, in 25 miles of fence, there was one staple missing. That was our violation. We went through 13 years of incredible harassment like that because Dad was pretty smart. He actually had a, a master's degree in animal nutrition. Uh, when they started working on him, they didn't realize that they had somebody who was pretty well educated, and he would defend his rights. He wrote a book in 1989 that came out called Storm Over Rangelands. And it really set off a storm in the West and got people to really start realizing that we have property rights in these federal lands. And, uh, and then in 1991, we filed the first ever federal land grazing case in, in the history of the US, Hage versus United States. We spent 27 years in court and our purpose was to determine what did we own. Did the rancher own the water? Did they own the range improvements? Did we own the rights away? Did we own the grazing right? The claims court, the US Court of Federal Claims, actually agreed with us and awarded the family $14.4 million. The appellate court from DC's that was heard by three Eastern judges who had absolutely no concept of federal lands ruled against us on two technicalities, said we didn't have standing, or rights. So we lost the case. Supreme Court wouldn't hear it. We won every round except the last one, which was the most important. But that's the history that I grew up in. And when we filed that case is when we started the organization Stewards of the Range, which mer merged with my husband and is now American Stewards of Liberty. But that foundation is really what taught me why property rights are so important to liberty. Property rights aren't just about land. Did you know that Thomas Jefferson said the small landowner is the most important part of the state? Why? Because he knew that if the people owned the land and the natural resources and the wealth, they could always control their government. We talk about how our founders were so smart, they set up the separation of powers so that no one entity could ever become so big and so powerful as to control us, we the people. The other thing they did was they made sure that people owned the land. So when Jefferson made the Louisiana Purchase, which doubled the size of our nation at the time, what did they do? They opened up the land to settlement, and you could go out and settle your 120 acres, 640 acres, whatever the Homestead Act was that was in place at the time in the state, and you could go stake your claim and get that piece of land where you could feed your family, build a home, feed your community, and protect both. That was absolutely fundamentally key to we, the people, being able to control our government. It wasn't just separation of states. It was that the people owned the land and the people controlled their government.
Today in America, only 60% of the land is owned by the people. The other 40% is owned by government. Now you all might not be too familiar about the, the history of how the eastern states settled under that concept, under that principle that the people would own the land. That's why the eastern states are private. And there's a whole story on how the federal lands became federal and why these were not um, turned over into private lands. And that's a whole other story that uh, we don't want to get into tonight. But I, what I want to impress on you is when we're talking about 30 by 30, we're not talking about conservation of lands. We're not talking about whether one person has cleaner water or keeps cleaner water than the other. We're not talking about air quality. We're talking about control. Who is going to control this nation? Is it going to be we, the people? Or is it going to be government? That's what 30 by 30 is about. Let's go ahead and advance probably two slides. So what is 30 by 30? 30 by 30 is an international agenda to permanently protect 30% of the world's lands and oceans in their natural state. This means no human use. It's being sold to us today by the Biden administration as just a conservation program. But when you go back and you study the roots of this agenda, and the people who are actively pushing this in, in, our, in our nation today and are in key political, powerful positions in our government. When you study their philosophy and what they believe, you understand that this agenda is something that they are working very hard to get put in place in America. It's actually been an agenda that's been around for as long as, well actually further from the, the Biodiversity Treaty. Um, back in 1992. But this concept has been there for a long time, just waiting for the moment for the green agenda to get this implemented in America. Um, let's go two more slides. One, two, please. And one more. So when President Biden was elected, are we on the right one? One more, please. When President Biden was elected, um, one of the things that we do is we really study the environmental movement. So we started watching what were the environmentalists talking about, because we figured that's what we would be fighting for the next four years. And, um, and as we went through our research, we found that this was all the articles that were out there. This document here, How Much Nature Should America Keep, was kind of the key document that everybody was um, citing back to. So it became clear to us that this was, this was the document that kind of set the whole tone, the agenda for how to implement 30 by 30 in America. It was produced by an organization called Center for American Progress. That, that organization was founded by John Podesta, funded by George Soros. You can go to their website and you will find, I keep going in and out, I don't know if I'm holding the thing. Um, if you go to their website, you will find that this organization exists for the purpose of implementing socialist ideas in America. It's right on their website. Um, it's very easy to find. 
Now this document, what's really key about it is this is kind of the playbook for how you get this international 30 by 30 agenda into America and get the people to accept it. So it's really written for the environmental community, kind of like, hey guys, this is how we market 30 by 30 in America, okay? So a lot of citations, a lot of arguments, you know, all the public surveys, how everybody wants this. But what I think is really important is to understand why do they want this agenda? What, what is the basis? What are they arguing as the purpose for this? And so if you go to the next slide. So one of the things that they say is that if we don't do this, in the coming decades, over a million species are gonna go extinct, including one third of all of US species. What is this based on? Climate crisis science. And if you understand what that is, then you understand everything based on this climate crisis is based on a model, not on facts, but on models where they've put assumptions in and roll these out for decades, and they come up with this concept, oh my goodness, we may lose a million species in the coming decades. Any true scientist knows you don't rely on models. You rely on facts and data. But, but the Greens are relying on these models, and that's how they get to, we are going to lose over a million species if we don't move forward with 30 by 30. Um, keep sliding through this, we'll go through these quicker. Just keep going, no, there's a bunch of bullets, sorry. Um, and one more and that's it, okay. The other thing they say is we're losing a football field worth of habitat every 30 seconds in America. Now doesn't that sound bad? I know you guys say, whoa, <laughs> that's a lot of land. Well, understand, you think about it, you guys are from a rural community. But think about it if you're in a city and you see, every time you turn around you see the city expanding and houses going up and all that kind of stuff. You think that's going on here. And you, you don't know your community or why this is cutting in and out. <laughs> but that gives kind of this false emergency to people in cities that we're losing a football field for the habitat every 30 seconds. The other thing they say is two thirds of this development, conversion of natural habitat to developed land is occurring on private lands. 1% of the private lands are permanently protected the way that they are seeking for the 30%. The other thing they say is only 12% of the total lands in the U.S. is currently permanently protected. And also that the areas that they seek to protect are the areas that are of high biodiversity and productivity. What are those lands? Sorry, lands. Hello. It's our private lands because that's where the best lands are because that landowner, can I possibly get another mic? That might be a little easier. Right, is this cutting out on you guys? Yes. Or just me? Okay. Let me back up just a little. Okay. I need direction and help. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I do tend to wander and that, that creates problems. So the, it's the private lands that are the best taken care of. Why is that? It's because this is, well, this is one of the reasons that I love staying at your place, Barb, is I love getting out into our landowner's lands because it doesn't matter where I go. I can go to Jim's property in Montana, um, Jeff's in New Mexico, and when they tour me around their land, I come away thinking, 
They believe they live on the best piece of land in America. And you guys take care of your land, right? And you cannot replace that with PhDs in Washington, D.C. You just absolutely cannot. So those are the lands they're seeking. Next slide, please. Now, one of the things that, um, one of the first things that we did, so we kind of understood what 30 by 30 was and got our, our arms around that, and then we started looking at it from the perspective of, do we really need to be concerned about this in America? The first thing that we found was that there was a Senate and House resolution that was filed putting forward this idea uh, in, in the U.S. House and Congress. And we weren't too concerned about it uh, because it was only signed by 15 people total in the two bodies. So it wasn't even a popular idea as a, as a resolution, not even a law, but as a resolution. But what did catch our eye was who signed it. Next, please. Go to, please. On the Senate side, Senator, then Senator Kamala Harris, now our Vice President. And on the House side, Secretary of Interior Deb Holland when she was the representative. So we knew we had two true believers in this agenda that were now in two of the most important, powerful positions when it comes to land in America in the new government. So we knew we were gonna have a fight on our hands. Next slide. So 30 by 30 was first initiated. Can you go one more, please? Two? There we go. So 30 by 30 was initiated in Executive Order 14008 on January 27th, uh, 2021, six days after the president was inaugurated. This is that 57-page um, executive order which shuts down a lot of oil and gas and does all kinds of stuff in it. So there's no wonder that it was missed in um, transition. Because this is, there's only two paragraphs in here on 30 by 30, and this is what it says. If you look at the last line, the purpose for all of this, putting this task force together, getting an implementation report, is to achieve the goal of conserving at least 30% of our lands and waters by 2030. So if you didn't know what 30 by 30 was, you would kind of go, well, you know, what is that going to be? And um, we too kind of had that question. We thought, we're pretty sure this is 30 by 30, but we need a confirmation, and we got it. Because that same day, the Department of Interior issued this fact sheet, which is how they are going to be implementing the climate crisis executive order. And there we go. And in this, they devote quite a bit of time to 30 by 30. And you will notice some familiar language. They say that we're losing a football field worth of habitat every 30 seconds. And that we're losing, we lose over one-third of America's species if we don't do this. And that currently only 12% of the lands are currently permanently protected in America. So when we saw this, this is like cut and paste out of that CAP report, the Center for American Progress report. So we knew this is 30 by 30, it is here. The other thing we knew is every environmental website, Nature Conservancy, all the land trusts, of course, uh, the Wilderness Society, Sierra Club, you name it, Center for Biological Diversity, up on their home pages goes this, Yahoo, we're implementing 30 by 30. So it's pretty clear what we were dealing with. Uh, next slide, please. The other thing that was key that happened was 
13 days later, I believe it was 13 days later, the date might be up, yeah, February 11th, is the acting secretary of the Department of Interior rescinded a very key um, secretarial order that Secretary ben Bernhardt had put in place. And what Bernhardt's order did was it said that when the federal government makes a federal land acquisition, they first have to get the consent of the county and the state before they can do it. Pretty smart policy. That means your community would get to decide if you want federal land in your community. Well, on February 11th, the acting secretary of the Department of Interior rescinded that. Now, you might remember that in the Trump administration, Congress and Trump signed the bill that fully and permanently funded the Land and Water Conservation Fund. So now every year it gets $900 million, half of which is supposed to be spent on federal land acquisitions. So they have the money. Next slide. All right, we're gonna start breaking this down um, so you guys get a good sense of what are we talking about? We're talking about land that they want permanently protected. What does that mean? Well, they've told us what that means, what we're to look for. They told us 12% of the lands are currently permanently protected. We know what makes up that 12% because that figure comes from the USGS gap analysis. The gap analysis has been tracking uh, the level of protection on America's lands for over 30 years. They have four levels that they track, uh, that they put the land in from most restricted and protected down to not restricted at all. The 12% are the two top levels, so gap one and gap two. So the lands that make that up are national parks, wilderness areas, conservation easements in perpetuity on private land. Understand that the federal government believes they control that land. It's permanently protected and nobody can change that. State parks, national wildlife refuges, national monuments, and other protected areas. So we know what they say, what they mean when they say we want to we want to protect 30 percent of America. They've said only 12 percent is currently protected, so we know that. Next slide. This is the definition of what how to define what is going to be included in 30 by 30. It comes from the CAP report. It says, according to the currently accepted international and domestic standards for an area of land or ocean to be counted as protected, it must be permanently protected in a natural condition and extracted uses must be limited or prohibited. That's goal number five. Next slide. All right, this is the map. This is the gap analysis map. So the two dark green colors are gap one and gap two. Those are the areas they consider protected today that make up that 12%. The light green are the other federal lands uh, that have too many uses on them for they, them to consider protected. And the white area is largely our private lands in America. Next slide. And this is a map that was published by the environmental group, the National Geographic. And they have been pushing this agenda internationally uh, for some time. And this is the article they did on America in 2019. And this is where they show to scale what the 12% looks like, 
which is the smallpox on America, and what the big box looks like, the 30%. That's a lot of land. And Governor Ricketts is the one who said what you had quoted. Uh, Governor Ricketts is the one who first said this. He said, it's equivalent, Governor Ricketts from Nebraska, who's one of my heroes, said it's the equivalent of protecting one state of Nebraska, seven states, seven, nine states of Nebraska every year, one state of Nebraska every year, and two or two states of Texas. It's a lot of land. Next slide. Okay, let's break down. Remember, the CAP report says we're losing a football field worth of habitat every 30 seconds in America. Well, what does that work out to? It's 3,000 acres a day, 1.1 million acres a year, 11 million acres in 10 years. So the question becomes, why are they trying to add another 400 million acres, protected acres, in the next nine years? It's about, to get to the 30%, it's about 700 million acres. They already have about 300 million acres. They're trying to get another 400 million acres in nine short years. But the problem, as they define it, is at best an 11 million acre problem. This isn't about conservation. This is a land grab. Next slide. But what's really interesting about that that uh, figure, the 11 million acres and losing a football field of habitat every 30 seconds, is the Heritage Foundation came out this May with a really good report, which is kind of like a reality check on all these claims that they are making. And they did not do their report based on models and assumptions and projecting in the future. They did it on actual facts uh, from a 15-year period in our history. And what they did was they, they cataloged how much land is in forestry, how much land is in, you know, in uh, shrub, how much land is developed. And what they found is that only 5.3% of America is considered developed land. That's not a lot of land. And half of that is what they consider open space land. So it's the golf courses, the city parks, uh, the big lots, the drainage areas. So we're really talking about developed land as in, let's say a house is there, um, about 2.5% in the nation. Next slide. This chart shows you the change. Remember, we're supposed to be having this great emergency change of land going from developed or from natural to developed. So this chart shows you between 2001 and 2016 the change in land use in America. So if you're not seeing any difference, that's because the only change is 0.3% of land going from natural to developed in America. It would take four decades, I believe the number is four decades, to even add another 1% to America in developed land. So they are creating a crisis that is not here. Next slide. All right, is private land gonna be targeted? Absolutely. Absolutely it's targeted. 
In the CAP report, it says the United States will not reach a 30 by 30 goal unless policymakers do more to help farmers, ranchers, fishermen, and other private landowners conserve lands. This is basically the marketing pitch to get landowners to voluntarily sign up on these, in these conservation programs. And let me tell you what really concerns us about this is, you know, for years and years, programs like Conservation Reserve Program, EQIP, those kind of things, landowners have been using them, and they've been pretty helpful. And I tell people that in the Trump administration, you wouldn't have worried about it too much because he was low regulation, high productivity. Well, now we're in an administration that wants to permanently protect 30% of our lands and oceans. One of the real troubling things about this is we have already, we have laws on the books that they could use to start uh, restricting land that has federal funding attached to it, private land. So let me give you an example. The Endangered Species Act, when a species is listed as threatened or endangered, and they designate critical habitat, so the area of habitat that they decide that species must have in order to survive, and that's where all the restrictions come in, where you can't you know, do anything during the mating season or, or whatever restrictions they put in occur. Critical habitat does not apply to private land. It applies to federal land. So that's good news for private landowners. Except there's a provision in the Endangered Species Act that requires an agency to consult with the Fish and Wildlife Service to see if there's any damage to the habitat on any lands where they have federal funding, approvals, permits. So now take a look at Conservation Reserve Program, EQIP. It's federal funding attached to the private land. So one of the other things that we do is we actually file delisting petitions on um, species that we believe need to come off the list. So we have a team of three really good attorneys uh, specialized in Endangered Species Act. And I asked them this question. I said, okay, am I overreaching here by saying this is something that the Biden administration could use to our landowners who are in these funding programs? Could they use this provision? And basically what they explained to me is that that provision of law, um, there's really has not been litigated. Nothing, there's no cases out there that limit its scope. Meaning they can push this as far as they want. That's what concerns me. That's what concerns me about all of these conservation programs today. The other reason is because when 30 by 30 was first put in place, the Secretary of Agriculture went to work throwing money at landowners. You guys know it. They're paying more for conservation reserve, um, the grasslands, they're paying a ton of money for that. Uh, Congress is spending more and more dollars for it every day. And they're, you know, I heard stories where, you know, they're just, people are, they're, they're basically just begging people to sign up for the money. So right now what we see happening as we see, the Department of Agriculture is trying to get as many pieces of land under a conservation program. Why? We can speculate. But what I, I think we could possibly see happen in the next couple of years, especially if they lose this next election, they're going to have to do everything administratively. And this is when we're going to see the restriction arms start to come in, uh, most likely through the Fish and Wildlife Service. 
primarily because their budget uh, for 2023 had 37 mentions of 30 by 30 in it. But they're, they're like the restriction arm. Uh, Department of Agriculture is the candy. Department of Interior has all of the restrictions that they can put in place. That's what we have to start watching out for. I don't like having to tell people that, but I also think you guys really need to be aware. And as you look at these programs, be very, very discerning and just be thinking about what could be ahead in the future. Next slide. The other reason that we've kind of tuned into this is because back in, uh, in 2020, so before the Biden administration, Congress put out this report, the select report in battling the climate crisis. At about page 430, you can start reading about all the policies that we, they want to put in place in order to enact 30 by 30. And so it's fed conservation programs, put more money into getting conservation easements in perpetuity. Not just conservation easements, conservation easements into perpetuity. Uh, revise the archaic federal land management laws, such as FLIPMA, the Federal Land Policy Management Act that governs the Bureau of Land Management's lands, and the National Forest Management Act that governs the U.S. Forest Service. Get rid of those. Why? Because they don't manage for the climate crisis. They manage for sustained yield and multiple use. So all of these things are in this policy book. And I, I went back about a month ago and started checking off the list what they've been able to accomplish so far. And it's, it's a little scary. Next slide. Next slide, please. Okay, so here's the really good news. <laughs> here's how you guys, you need some good news, right? Okay, we're not quite out of the bad news yet. We'll get there. Um, this question, is 30% the end? Is that what they're really going for? I'll read this out of the CAP report. Protecting 30% of the lands and waters is not the last 30%. In fact, if the United States achieves 30 by 30, the country will be well positioned to pursue a longer term goal of conserving half of all of its lands and waters. So what these people are following is this philosophy that was developed by a conservation biologist named E.O. Wilson. And E.O. Wilson believed that the only way to save humanity was if we permanently protected half of the world's lands and resources. Now he has a huge following, these people are a part of it. And they even celebrate Half Earth Day. This is a big deal. The uh, United Nations, in their documents and resolutions, they're putting forward, they're putting forward the 30 by 30 agenda. And in the most recent one that I've seen, the commentary says 30% is too little, 50% is okay, but we should be shooting for 70%. So where is this gonna end? Next slide. Ah, oh, good. Oh, you're ahead, I like it. Um, and we're already seeing this play out. So, August of last year, the New Mexico governor signed this executive order to implement 30 by 30 in the state of New Mexico. Next. Ah, you got it. And it includes not only the 30%, but another 20% for climate stabilization areas. She's at 50%. Because of your governor, 
This is something you guys need to be watching out for. Next slide. This next one is also very interesting. The state of Vermont, the House and the Senate, passed a bill not for 30 by 30, but for 50 by 50. It passed both houses. And this is the language. 30% of Vermont's total land area shall be conserved by 2030, and 50% of the state's total land area shall be conserved by 2050. And this is the other part that I, I find very interesting about their language, is at the bottom it says that this is going to include state, federal, municipal, and private land. No mention of respecting property rights. Private land will just be included in this. Thankfully, Vermont elected, even though Vermont is, um, it's really no surprise they did this, they do actually, I mean, Bernie Sanders is from Vermont, so that kind of explains a little bit. But Vermont elected a Republican governor two years ago, and Governor Scott vetoed this bill. <laughs> Next slide. All right, how is 30 by 30 being implemented uh, today in America. They're doing exactly what we've already talked about. Uh, they are doing it at the state level. So a lot of states are stepping up and putting forward their own agendas as we're seeing with New Mexico and Vermont. California is also way ahead of the pack in some of the things that they have done as well. Um, additionally though, go to the next slide. Colorado has a pathways to 30 by 30 document. This, I think, was published in either 2019 or 2020. There's already an aggressive ground game here in Colorado. And here's their, their numbers. They say 30% of Colorado would be 20 million acres. That according to the gap analysis that we talked about before, where we have the 12% nationally, 10% uh, of the lands in Colorado are already protected. So they need to acquire another 14 million by 2030. Next slide. Another way that we're seeing that this is being implemented is through federal land acquisitions. And in May of this year, the largest federal land acquisition was made in the state of Wyoming, which already has a lot of federal lands. But the Bureau of Land Management purchased 35,000 acres created a 118-square-mile preserve in, in Wyoming. And here's probably the worst part of it, is there was no notice given to the governor. He didn't know that this happened until it had happened. Remember, they have $900 million for the land and water conservation funds funded annually, half of which goes to federal land acquisitions. Next slide. And most recently, you guys remember the inflation, they say Inflation Reduction Act, I call it the Inflation Act, because that's what it really is. Uh, in that bill, they put $20 billion, this was just last month, August. This was the bill that, remember we thought Bill, bill Back Better was dead, which had the Green New Deal in it. And then uh, Bill Gates convinced Manchin Senator Manchin to go forward with uh, a lighter version, which is this Inflation Act. And so included in this is 20 billion for conservation programs. 
Remember I said they're really throwing money at this. Every chance they get, they're putting money into con conservation programs which creates the federal nexus on the private lands. But can you back up a slide? Sorry, I shouldn't be waving. I'm giving them the wrong signals. <laughs> um, well, I don't know if you guys saw that language. What's really interesting, what's oh good, okay. So what's different about the language, so the Farm Bill is the one bill that, that funds these conservation programs traditionally. This bill puts more money into it and changes the language for which this funding is supposed to be prioritized. So for programs like Conservation Reserve Program, ACECs, um, some of those programs, it says, the secretary shall prioritize projects and activities that mitigate or address climate change through the management of an agriculture production. Think about food security. <coughs> this is where this is leading. Who's going to make the decision of what you grow and what you raise? Is it gonna be we the people or is it gonna be government? The other one that is very interesting is the specific language attached to the equip funding. That says to prioritize proposals that utilize diet and feed management to reduce enteric methane emissions from ruminants, gas from livestock. And I think about how many ranchers use equip and this money now ties it to emissions of livestock. Again, who's gonna control what we grow and what we raise? Is it going to be the government or is it gonna be we the people? Next slide, please. And most recently, what's very interesting about the Inflation Act is um, when that was passed, there's this article that appeared first in bioscience called Rewilding the America West. And then it was picked up and repopulated across all the environmental organizations and publications like Outside Magazine and the World Economic Forum. And to me, the way that this all came out was kind of like when they first introduced 30 by 30 back in January of 2021. It's like they lead with a big article in a science publication and then everybody duplicates it and talks about it. And so it's all orchestrated. And I think the timing is not coincidental with the Inflation Act. And so what the rewilding of the American West is proposing is to create wildlife corridors from Mexico to Canada that are connected there's 11 5,000 square kilometer areas that they're trying to set up on the federal lands for wolves and beavers. And in their plan, the first thing that goes is livestock grazing. And in their plan, they have suggestions for how you retire the livestock grazing allotments in these corridors. And then to connect these, because there's private land in here, it's through conservation programs, federal land acquisitions, and conservation easements in perpetuity. And let me make a comment while we're on, on conservation easements. The argument, 
I, I disagree completely with the argument that when you put a conservation easement on your land, it is still private property. I say it's your right as a private landowner to put an easement on your property, that it is. Just understand that once you do, it's no longer private property. Because when you put that easement on your land, you are selling control of your land. Your priorities now are subservient to the conservation purpose. They have the primary right. And the primary fundamental element of private property is control. If you can't control your land and make those decisions, it's not private property. And so it literally, to me, is the equivalent of having federal lands. It's just that it may be either the federal government or a land trust that's your landlord now. And I know you can write a contract and make it feel good and sound good um, the best that you can and try to protect yourself the best that you can. But you can't get around the idea, the concept, that you have now permanently developed, devalued that property right. Not just for you, but for the future generations too. Remember, property rights are directly connected to our liberty. So what we do now today with our property rights, if we erode them, if we give even a portion of those over to our federal government, we are eroding our future generation's ability to protect their liberty. It's not about land. It's about control. Next slide. The other thing that has occurred is the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation has been granted by the Department of Interior a billion dollars to, to re-grant, to give out to nonprofits like land trusts, Nature Conservancy is all over this, as well as all the other land trusts, to re-grant for conservation projects. So again, it's another way to fund the NGOs to go out and push conservation programs on the landowners. And here's one of the problems I really have with what, it, what the administration is doing with conservation programs. They've become something that really is not good anymore. Because what are they actually doing? They're driving up the value of the land. They're outpricing the working landowner. They're putting landowners in a position where the only way you can survive is if you go into the conservation program. They are directly competing with the working landowner. They are not helping us. The other thing that's interesting about this is Jeff Bezos' Earth Fund gives quite a bit of money to this as well. So if you're following the big guys, like the big wealthy guys, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, you have to start asking, why are they really pushing this conservation agenda? And um, we just, in our uh, next publication, Standing Ground, I, I think you guys have the, the last one we published, the one that just went in the mail. We did an article on this which ties all the dots together with what occurred and how we got our federal lands. And it's an article titled, um, Climate Crisis Robber Barons. Because that's really what they are becoming. They're using the conservation movement to drive out the competition, which is you, in order to control the resources. You know, Dad told me something years and years ago. He said, this, this battle, this battle against the environmentalists and the conservationists, it is not about 
whether we're going to use the land. It's about who is going to use the land. They've got to drive us off first. Next slide. So where does 30 by 30 lead our nation? One more slide. You guys have been following what's been going on in the Netherlands? All right. So the Netherlands signed on to this program called Natura 2000. Natura 2000, yeah. Um, Natura 2000 is the EU's version of 30 by 30. They're a little ahead of us. So this map shows all of the control zones under Natura 2000. So what's happened in the Netherlands is that uh, under this program, they are supposed to be protecting a certain moss and clover and some other vegetation. And the big elites, environmental elites who run Natura 2000 have decided that nitrogen oxide hurts these species. Therefore, the farmers and ranchers are having to cut that in half. Which, that's why you're hearing about the, the farmers and ranchers over there protesting because they would have to cut half their herds. The nitrogen oxide is an animal feces. So they're trying to get, get rid of the livestock. Uh, the Netherlands, I think, are the sixth largest exporter of agriculture in the world. Why are they attacking the Netherlands food supply? So, can you go one more? I want you guys to read the language, the soft, the, the Natura 2000 website. They say, stretching over 18% of the EU's land area and more than 8% of its marine territory, Natura 2000 is the largest coordinated network of protected areas in the world. It offers a haven to Europe's most valuable and threatened species and habitats. And further down in the website, you will hear all the same language we hear in America about 30 by 30. This is about helping landowners better conserve their land to help the working landowner do more. It's not about restricting them. And yet, 2022, and the ranchers and farmers over there are being told they have to cut the herd in half, which is going to put them out of business. And in the interviews that they've been doing, they, most of them said, it means we're gonna have to give up our land. And they also say, that's the goal. They get it. They're finally far enough into this program where they understand what the ultimate goal is. Next slide. Okay, I think that's all the bad news I have for you guys. <laughs> now we're gonna get to the good news, and there is a lot of good news. Because a lot is being done. One more, please. I love this proverb. I love it for this fight. The horse is prepared for battle, but the Lord will deliver the victory. And the reason I love it is because it reminds us it does not matter how big the battle is and how small we are. None of this is bigger than our God. And I, what I love about this proverb is it tells us we have to fight. We have to do our part. 
God expects that of us. And when we do our part, he delivers the victory. So I know I've given you a lot of information that's probably a little bit overwhelming. Do not walk out of here thinking that we are defeated because we are not. If we keep the right perspective of who's in charge and that's forefront in our mind, nothing, nothing can stop us. So let me tell you what we got busy on. Truly believe it, we are meant to fight. And as you know my background, I've kind of learned how to be a warrior. <laughs> so this unfortunately is, is what we do, is take on battles like this. Next slide. So the first thing that we did, your state of Colorado has a county that we have worked with for since about 2007, Garfield County, Colorado. They have three commissioners there and a county manager who are phenomenal and have been there this whole time. One of the reasons I love working with them is that I can send them one quick email or a phone call to get them alerted to an issue and they are on it. There's no catch up for them. They, they understand these issues quickly. So that's exactly what we did. On January 21st, I shot up an email and said, um, we need to talk about this 30 by 30. And the next day I was talking to one of the commissioners and the county manager and explained 30 by 30 to them and they said, well, let's get, let's get a local government resolution going. So we contracted with a really good attorney that we work with and got the first resolution to oppose 30 by 30 drafted by an attorney because we wanted to make sure everything we said in that was defensible. And then three weeks later, Garfield County passed the first resolution to oppose 30 by 30. And fortunately, their representative is Lauren Bober. So they got it to Lauren immediately. And Lauren created a firestorm in Washington, D.C. And Norm, if you'll remember at the summit when we introduced her, and I said, don't tell me that a freshman uh, representative can't get something done. Because she got 70 people, 70 of her congressional uh, colleagues to sign a letter opposing 30 by 30, two different letters. And so Lauren deserved your representative, Colorado representative, I know she's not your district, but she, she deserves a lot now. of credit for, for putting the brakes on this. Because one of the things we were very concerned about in the beginning was that they would be pushing a 30 by 30 authorization bill. Key to understanding what the president has done is he has done this by executive order, which means he's done it by government fiat. There is no congressional or constitutional authorization for him to do this. So we were worried about potentially a bill coming forward. Thankfully, uh, Lauren was all over it and I think had a lot to do with making sure that didn't happen. In fact, what she did do was file a bill to terminate 30 by 30, which we, was very, very well done. We produced this uh, guide that you guys have. I think that you're looking at probably the seventh version of it. It's free, it's downloadable online. It is designed for you guys to be able to take this information I'm telling you tonight and it's in hard copy you can download it, spread it to whomever you think needs to know this, who you want to educate on this. Our job in this is really to, to make this easier for you guys to understand so you can spread it around. And ha what has happened because of this is that we now have over 150 counties across the nation who have passed this resolution to oppose 30 by 30. That's phenomenal. Uh, next. 
we can probably go through these things pretty quick. Those are the letters that, this is the letter that in the middle was signed by the, um, Governor Ricketts. Remember I told you he's one of my heroes? He was the first governor in the nation to oppose 30 by 30. And then he circulated the letter to uh, the other governors and got 15 governors educated and to sign the letter opposing 30 by 30. That he released on Earth Day of last year. I love that. <laughs> and then that's Lawrenceville. And go one more. One more? Ah, all right. Okay. Here's the, here's the uh, federal response. Okay, so we had all these things going. We had Congress alerted. Uh, we had all these counties uh, alerted as to what was going on. We had the governors alerted. Um, all these people started talking about 30 by 30 and, and labeling it a land grab. So even the Department of, of Agriculture, when they go out to do their interviews, would be asked, is this 30 by 30 thing a land grab? And I love there's quotes of Bill Sachs saying, this isn't a land grab. I love that because he has to say land grab. Did you guys understand this is a land grab? It's kind of hard to get around that, right? We, 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 we were able to frame the narrative. So they're running away from that. In May, when they released their so-called implementation report, which the executive order said they were to produce, the first thing they did was they rebranded it. We're no longer to talk about it as 30 by 30. It's now called America the Beautiful. So you know you're having success when they have to change their name. Uh, the other thing that it did was it said that, um, that this is not about protecting the land. This is only about conservation and restoration. However, we really can't define the difference. So they say it's not protection, it's conservation. But conservation is too difficult to define. They know we have this incredible, pressing problem in America because we're losing all this land. And they know we must conserve 30% of the lands. But they can't define the difference between protection and conservation. It's a great mis misdirect. The other thing they do in here is they, um, they have all of these kind of uh, great programs that they're going to do under America the Beautiful uh, to help get to 30%. So they have things in there for the hunting and rec uh, recreational community, and things in there for the American Indians, and things in there for the people who live in cities. But you add up all of those little things that they're saying they're going to do, doesn't even get close to 30%. So there's, there's a lot in here that they're not telling us. Why? Why? Why not just be open and transparent with the American people? And then, uh, after our summit, uh, we did a summit, Stop 30 by 30 summit, on this year's Earth Day in Lincoln, Nebraska. Senator Kramer was one of our speakers and uh, from North Dakota. And he went back and issued a letter signed by 22 senators, I believe was the name, number, of uh, senators who are calling on the Department of uh, Council on Environmental Quality to do an environmental impact statement on 30 by 30, which is a very interesting argument. It's pretty sophisticated. Um, it's, uh, it's been a really kind of a fun thing to watch play out. All right, and next. So, we give you kind of a visual. These are the counties across America who um, have passed resolutions opposing 30 by 30. 
Colorado has done kind of okay. But if you remember the rewild map, if you look at that one and then the Sagra Sea map, which takes in, which takes in all of the other empty spaces, are the two that they're putting, the two programs they're putting together, you guys really need to get to work. You really need to protect the home front. How are they are implementing this is locally. So they're doing it through little programs. Um, it could be this little ecosystem conservation easement program over here. Uh, it could be a federal land acquisition over here. It could be uh, a new resource management plan revision where they're just saying, oh, you know, cattle grazing no longer compatible. All of these things are things you guys have to be working, watching out for. And the first thing you do is you get your community organized and educated on what 30 by 30 is. And the best way to do that, and also send a signal that you guys are ready, is to pass the local government resolution opposing 30 by 30. Next slide. These are the governors in red who oppose 30 by 30. The ones in yellow are listed on the White House website as supporting 30 by 30. Look at Florida. People that I would say are kind of, I would call more as green Republicans. They tend to buy into these conservation ideas. So Mitt Romney, from my state, Cornyn. There are a couple surprises on that. But now we have him on record as opposing 30 by 30. We're so pleased to have him uh, fighting with us on this. Okay, next slide. our summit. So one of the things that we organized is we organized the first Stop 30 by 30 Summit. Governor Pete Ricketts, he's the one in the center, he's, uh, he was the host of our summit. And then we had Secretary Bernhardt, Lauren, Craig Recker from CFACT, you guys know Craig, um, Becky Norton Dunlap from the Heritage Foundation, and Senator Kramer were some of our big speakers. And Norm Kincaid was there. Uh, it was great to have him there, but it was it was fantastic. The lineup was amazing. Uh, one more slide. It generated an awful lot of unfavorable press because when you're doing good work, the opposition attacks you. So if you guys really want, I mean, I if you guys really want to do some interesting uh, reading, you should go home and Google us and see what the Center for Western Priorities. They have a 31-page dossier on us. Really scary. Um, and that little, did you ever see that, Norm? That truck? I didn't see it. No. So this truck, <laughs> sir, was driving around our venue all day long on the day of the summit, protesting our summit. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We had, it was great. It was, it was a fantastic meeting. We had some really good minds coming together and working together on this. So I, I share this with you because, um, 
I just want you guys to know there's a lot of people out there that are fighting against 30 by 30. And one of the things that came out of the summit is Becky Norton Dunlap from the Heritage Foundation went back and organized and started educating her fellow conservative leaders in, in Washington, D.C. and all over. And they just issued a letter signed by, oh, I think it was 114 conservative leaders, like former Attorney General Ed Meese in, from Reagan's administration. Uh, a lot of the Trump administration people, major organization heads from all over, from our conservative groups, and they signed this letter very vehemently opposing 30 by 30 and opposing uh, the federal government acquiring any more federal land. It's a fantastic statement. And so it started to really put the opposition in a difficult spot. I think we've done a pretty good job at getting um, at people at all levels educated on 30 by 30. We've got a lot more to do, but what has been done has been very, very impactful. And let's go one more. I think I threw this one in just a little while ago. This is really fun. Okay, you guys read Epic Times? All right, Roman from Epic Times TV, he does a program called Facts Matter. Uh, he's the one who has been, do been doing a lot of the uh, programs interviewing the Netherlands farmers and what's going on over there and the parliamentarian that he interviewed. Um, he, is, he is doing another series and he was uh, wanting to connect what's happening there with what's happening in America. And so he came and interviewed us uh, for his program uh, so we could connect 30 by 30 to what's going on in the Netherlands. And then he was headed back to Sri Lanka and the Netherlands, and I'm not sure when this is gonna come out. But there's some really good documentaries being done that are exposing 30 by 30. And so it's pretty cool, it's pretty fun. Uh, we're getting some national attention on this issue. And next slide. All right. I want to leave you guys with this thought. Um, this really is being sold to us as a conservation program. Every turn, every opportunity that the environmentalists, that the Biden administration, um, you know, even people that really have have the best intentions and, and want to believe that this program is not what I'm saying it is. Um, or I should say better that the environmental documents are saying it is. But the people who really you know, want to believe that this is just about conservation, I want to leave you with this thought because one of the things we look at is who's in charge? Who's running this program? And what do they think about 30 by 30? Are they just kind of doing this for constituents or do they, are they true believers in the agenda? So the, the president appointed four department heads to be the task force for 30 by 30 in that executive order back last January. And the, those four heads are Secretary of Holland, Secretary Vilsack. Those two, we know exactly where they are on 30 by 30. Holland is a true believer. Remember, she, she did the resolution for 30 by 30 back before this was even implemented. Secretary Vilsack is all in. He is selling the conservation programs, thinking they're going to save America. He's all in on this. What about Gina Riamondo? She's our Commerce Secretary. What does she think about this? Next slide. Here's a press, press quote. 30% isn't the end, said Secretary of Commerce Gina Riamondo during the press call. 30% is the beginning. It's setting a very strong foundation 
and we hope it will build the momentum for longer-term conservation to benefit current and future generations. She's a half-earther. And let's go one more. The fourth person in this task force is the chairman of the Council of Environmental Quality, Brenda Mallory. And one more. Anybody want to take a guess at who her chief of staff is? His name is Matt Lee Ashley, and he wrote the CAP report that we've been studying, How Much Nature Should America Keep? She's the, basically the chairman of this group. He's the author of this program and how to implement it in America. And let's go one more. We just had a change um, in Biden just made a new appointment. He has recently appointed John Podesta, who's the founder of the CAP report, or the Center for American Progress, which put out the CAP report, as chairman of our National Climate Task Force. And what you have to understand is the Center for American Progress, in the news reports as I was listening, reading kind of his appointment and some of the quotes that were coming out, it was pointed out that the Senate, that he should, he should be able to hit the ground running because so many of his colleagues from the Center for American Progress are already staffed in the Biden administration. They have to sell this program as voluntary, locally driven, conservation so that we the people will be the boiling frog and buy into all this. I really, really hope that you guys are not going to be one of those people and that you don't buy into this. Alright, so what you must do, we've talked about this a little bit, it really is important to get your counties to oppose 30 by 30. Um, one of the reasons is because in the halls of Congress, the League of Conservation Voters is telling members of Congress that the local people want this. And so, but when we have a list of counties that oppose this, it, it negates that narrative. It helps people like Lauren Miller, who's back there fighting for us on this. That's really important. Um, we have a, the model resolution I've been talking about. You can go to the Stop 30 by 30 website. It's in the publication address. You can go there, download it. It's a Word file, so you can cut and paste and make it your own. And also on that website, you can go in and see the other resolutions that have been passed and, and get different ideas on what fits in your community to do. But please, please work on getting that done. And next. And this is what the website looks. We put up a dedicated Stop 30 by 30 website. And um, you go there, you go to opposition, you'll see all the counties who've opposed this. A lot of the resources, a lot of the documents I've talked about today are linked on this site. So if you want to go in and read the CAP report for yourself and see what it says about conservation programs and conservation easements and all that, you can do that. Um, and all of those original articles. This is so important, guys. You know, when I said that proverb, the horse is prepared for battle, and the Lord delivers the victory. This is why we can win it. The other thing that I want to remind you guys of is that God places each one of us purposefully in the moment and time in history that he wants us. 
and wants us to be useful. So I've heard a lot of people say, woe is me. Can't believe we're living in this time. We're seeing our nation disintegrate. It's not the America that we knew even two years ago. We need to not think about it in, a term, in those terms. We need to think about it in terms of we are honored to have been chosen for this battle, to fight for something so important. So I hope not only will you guys work on passing these local government resolutions, but support us as well. We're on the front lines of this. We're doing everything we can to stop this, and we're making great progress. If you want to know a little bit more about Margaret Byfield and actually what she does with her organization, AmericanStewards.us, just head there, AmericanStewards.us. Actually, it is a nonprofit, so if you would like to support them, they have a donate button, and she strongly suggests that you do so. One of the things that she did leave that conversation last night whenever we went to go cover that with is that we should just have hope, but we should just be aware of what's happening. Just read about it and share it and... And do your own research on how you feel about 30 by 30. But 30 by 30 is certainly been proven to been something that has proved to be a plan. So she said, keep our eyes on that. I'm Ann Boswell, and this is That Girl Can Talk. If you have an idea for That Girl Can Talk, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at my website. That's Ann, A-N-N-E-B-O-S-W-E-L-L at ColoradoNewsUA.com.